Hey, Conspiracy Kyle here. I've been off my normal cadence of episodes the past few weeks just due to some personal things going on. Nothing bad, just, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. So hopefully next week I'll be back on track with my normal schedule of Monday solo episode, Wednesday special episode, and then Friday interview episode. So today's episode, in lieu of a, a normal solo show, I'll be posting my Rockfin exclusive Star Wars novel quotes series, episodes 6 and 7. This dives into more quotes from the A New Hope novel taking us nearly to the end of the movie. So I hope you enjoy. May the Force be with you. I'll talk to you again soon. Welcome back to Star Wars Novel Quotes, where we, you guessed it, go through Star Wars Novel Quotes. We're continuing on as we pick up with our cast of characters on the Millennium Falcon. Obi-Wan is still training Luke in the ways of the Force, and he tells him that, quote, One can teach only so much. Now you must learn to admit the Force when you want it, so that you can learn to control it consciously. It goes on to say, as Luke is doing a training with a, a, a probe, you know, remote ball that's roaming around and shooting lasers at him, Luke says, quote, I can't do it. I'll get hit again. Not if you let yourself trust you, Kenobi insisted, none too convincingly for Luke. This is the only way to be certain you're relying wholly on the Force. And this is something that Luke struggles with throughout the entire original trilogy. You see him say this again, the I can't do it on Dagobah when he's attempting to lift his X-Wing out of the swamp. He says, you know, I can't do it. It's too big. And Yoda teaches him that he has to really give in fully to the Force and not rely on size. You know, he looked at what was in front of him and it was a huge size of a ship. And he thought there's no way he could lift that. But through the Force, just like in our world, through God, you know, all things are possible. And then Kenobi also says, quote, Once you start to trust your inner self, there'll be no stopping you. And I think that's very important, too. You know, there's a lot of people in this world who think that they can't accomplish things or can't do this or can't do that. But if you really set your mind to something, you can do it. You know, I never thought that I would have my voice out here as much as it has been on audio and video over the past year because I'm naturally an introvert um, and don't normally like to have my voice out there. Um, but I've, I've slowly and slowly gained more confidence in, in believing in, in myself and what I believe in. So it's been, it's been a struggle, but it's something that I've, I've been learning as well. Now we go on to the part where they realize that Alderaan has been destroyed. They seem like they're in an asteroid field and they're a little confused about what's going on. Quote, Judging from the level of wild energy outside and the amount of solid waste, I'd guess that Alderaan's been blown away. Totally. This is Han Solo speaking. Destroyed, Luke whispered, overwhelmed at the specter raised by such an unimaginable disaster. But how? The Empire, a voice declared firmly. Ben Kenobi had come in behind Luke, and his attention was held by the emptiness ahead as well as the import behind it. No. Solo was shaking his head slowly. In his own way, even he was stunned by the enormity of what the old man was suggesting. That a human agency had been responsible for the annihilation of an entire population, of a planet itself. So you can see here the dichotomy between what these characters are experiencing and what somebody like Tarkin was experiencing by giving the order to destroy the planet. Tarkin, it was no big deal to him. It was an example he had to set. 
and you know at the snap of a finger he was willing to murder millions of people but people like Han Solo and Luke um, they, they, they really sense the gravity of the situation even Han Solo who's a very skeptical person about things going on he can't even wrap his head around one organization being responsible for this and I think that's why a lot of people are so um, taken aback in our world when it comes to conspiracy theories because they can't believe that any single government, any single entity would commit atrocities, you know, such as 9-11 um, or such as the whole COVID um, craziness. They, they can't wrap their head around the fact that there are people willing to kill others to accomplish their objectives. Um, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow, but it's, it's the truth about our world and in Star Wars. Then as they go through this debris, they realize that they're being drawn towards the Death Star and they're being pulled in by a tractor beam and are unable to reverse course. And Han Solo is basically saying that he's not going to go down without a fight. And Obi-Wan counters that by saying, if it's a fight you cannot win, well, my boy, there are always alternatives to fighting. And what Obi-Wan means is there's ways to sneak around, to be covert, to accomplish your objectives without just running out Rambo style and blasting blasting people and, and fighting right up front. There are other ways to attack this. Just think about it with with our world, with, with social media, with other platforms. You know, there are ways to get your message out without being completely bombastic like Alex Jones style. There are ways kind of like what I've been doing and it's, you know, my show is very, very small and I appreciate everybody who's listening, but well, you know, one of my um, key key elements of my show is that I'm, I'm talking about things going on in this world in comparison to Star Wars, it's not it's not blasting a message. It's not pounding my fists. It's providing parallels for people to see that the Empire kind of exists in our world as well. So there are other ways to kind of combat these situations, just like there are other ways for the rebels to combat the Empire, though not necessarily head on. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Star Wars Novel Quotes. We will have two more episodes. The next episode, we will get into things happening on the Death Star, both with, with Vader kind of thinking about back to the Alderaan mission and thinking about his Imperial officers, as well as Luke and the team maneuvering through the Death Star to try to rescue Princess Leia, and then some actions afterwards. And then the final episode will go into the Death Star attack itself. So thank you for tuning in again, and may the Force be with you. Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars Novel Quotes, the show where we, you guessed it, get into Star Wars Novel Quotes. We're going to start where we left off, which was the Rebels were being pulled into the tractor beam into the Death Star, and Obi-Wan said that there are alternatives to fighting. And now we go to the Death Star itself, where Darth Vader is contemplating what has happened and the state of the Empire. Quote, <clears throat> Vader stared at the motley array of stars displayed on the conference room map, while Tarkin and Admiral Mahdi conferred nearby. Interestingly, the first use of the most powerful destructive machine ever constructed had seemingly no influence at all on that map, which in itself represented only a tiny fraction of this section of one modest-sized galaxy. It would take a micro-breakdown of a portion of this map to reveal a slight reduction in spatial mass caused by the disappearance of Alderaan. Alderaan with its many cities, farms, factories, and towns, and traitors, Vader reminded himself. 
Despite his advances in intricate technological methods of annihilation, the actions of mankind remained unnoticeable to an uncaring, unimaginably vast universe. Tarkin and Mahdi were talented and ambitious, but they saw things only on the scale of human pettiness. It was a pity, Vader thought, that they did not possess the scope to match their abilities. Still, neither man was a Dark Lord. As such, little more could be expected of them. These two were useful now and dangerous, but someday they, like Alderaan, would have to be swept aside. Now let's go back to that beginning part there as, as Vader's looking at a map of the universe and just seeing a slight aberration. You know, the, the Empire enacted this horrible plan to kill millions of people, but as far as the overall galaxy goes, there's still millions, possibly billions of other people out there. So the Empire would really need to, to ramp up their attack if they really wanted to maintain control. But Vader reminded himself that while millions of people were killed, a lot of them were traitors, which was able for him to rationalize in his mind the action. And then back to the bottom part here about Mahdi and Tarkin. In Vader's mind, he refers to them basically as useful idiots, where they're useful to the Empire now because of all their plans and scheming and um, lack of empathy for others around, around the universe. And they're very useful to the Empire. But at a certain point, they could be lined up against the wall and shot or slashed with a lightsaber if they're no longer useful. The irony in this is that Vader himself was a useful idiot as well, being used by the Emperor just as they were. Now we move on to the Rebels on the Death Star itself. They found a way off the Millennium Falcon via some Stormtrooper outfits, and then they're trying to discover what their plan is going to be. Luke says that we, there, we have to find some way to sneak around and do something, and Han Solo says, quote, All right, we'll give it a try, but you better be right about that reward. And what he's talking about the reward is the reward to rescue Princess Leia, who's held captive there. And then Han Solo says, quote, What's your plan, kid? Luke was momentarily taken aback. All his energies up till now had been concentrated on persuading Solo and Chewbacca to aid in a rescue attempt. That accomplished, Luke became aware he had no idea how to proceed. He had grown used to old Ben and Solo giving directions. Now the next move was up to him. And here we go again. We've seen this many times throughout the story so far, where he's crossed over another threshold into a larger world. The first one was when he witnessed his aunt and uncle die, so that, that changed his lifestyle there. The second one was when he sold his land speeder, his last physical possession, um, on Tatooine. And now this third one is where he's actually being called to be a leader, to dis dis decipher um, a plan of action, um, to, to relay a plan, a strategy, to get them towards this princess to help rescue her. So it's another, it's another step in his evolution of his character, as you can see throughout the entire series, is slowly, slowly builds and builds to what you see at the end of the series. And then we go on quite a bit in the story to um, later on in their Death Star mission where Obi-Wan is trying to turn off the tractor beam so that they're able to escape, but something else has happened. Darth Vader, his former student, has realized his presence there and is going to confront him. Quote, Ben Kenobi ducked into the shadows of a narrow passageway, seeming to become part of the metal itself, as a large cluster of troopers hurried past him. Pausing to make certain they had all passed, he checked the corridor ahead before starting down it. 
but he failed to see the dark silhouette which eclipsed the light far behind him. So in the story, Vader has the premonition of, of Kenobi being there, and he's going to take him on, as we know, that famous duel where he says the student becomes the master. We go on a little bit into the story to after they've escaped the Death Star, and Han Solo is talking about R2-D2 and why R2-D2 is so important um, for them to, to bring back to the Rebels. He says, quote, What's that droid carrying that's so important anyway? Leia considered the blazing starfield forward. Complete technical schematics of the battle station. I only hope that when the data is analyzed, a weakness can be found. Until then, until the station itself is destroyed, we must go on. This war isn't over yet. It is for me, objected the pilot. I'm not on this mission for your revolution. Economics interests me, not politics. There's business to be done under any government. And I'm not doing it for you, princess. I expect to be well paid for risking my ship and my hide. And Leia says, you needn't worry about your reward. If money is what you love, that's what you will receive. And you kind of see this is how Han Solo is at this point. He helped him out a little bit. He wants his money and he wants out. Um, which you see at the very end of the movie, he comes back, helps them out, and becomes, becomes a hero, becomes a leader. And that's all for Star Wars Novel Quotes today. Next, we'll get into the Rebels landing on their Rebel base on Yavin 4 and talk about some, the planet itself and the temple there. And then we'll get into the Death Star attack run and some really interesting stuff that I wasn't aware of before about Luke in, in using the Force in that final battle to destroy the Death Star. Really interesting stuff. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of Star Wars Novel Quotes. We'll have one more episode of Novel Quotes before we get into Empire Strikes Back Novel Quotes. So thank you for tuning in, and may the Force be with you.